Praise God. God's good, as always, all the time. Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity to gather under your feet, O Master. Father, we know that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in our midst. Yeshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, you are right now in our midst right now. And you are ministering to each one supernaturally, not by the strength of a man, but the strength of the risen Christ. And Father, you supply right now for golden oil drips out from you to minister in every need that we have. Every need you meet, Master, for you are a full God. And out of your fullness, we will constantly receive, Master. Father, give us a revelation of the word, Master, today. For we cannot live except by the word that is spoken from the mouth of God. Father, speak to us and encourage us, bless us, and minister to us, O oh Master, that we can live and feed off it. And let signs and wonders be done by your, in your name here today in our midst, O oh Master, so that only you will be glorified and not a man. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God's good? God's good. So uh, yes, last time we had studied a message called Receiving from a Full God. Guess what? You cannot receive from a full God in just one session. So we have to continue this, this session also. It will be a continuation of the last message called Receiving from a Full God. So I want you to just enjoy this time. I want you to stop thinking about all your worries and all your tensions. So give the Holy Spirit two hours. Okay? Two, two and a half hours. <laughs> it may be less. But just let's fo focus, about, focus on what he is telling right now, right? You spend a lot of time worrying about how to solve problems yourself, right? Let's just come to the presence of the Father and let's hear from the Holy Spirit. And let's hear how he solves problems and let's receive from him. So how to receive from this full God? And how many of you were there for the last time's message, uh, receiving from a full God? Quite a few. And it's actually on the website, so if you ever get a chance, you can actually go and listen to it, and you can download it. You don't even need to download. You can just listen to it online, and when you start back again, it starts back at the same place. So that's the best part. I, li I like that player that is there on the website. So, so receiving from a full, full God. So last time we studied something very interesting. When God wants to come to judge you, right? I mean, this is such amazing. I, only when I was studying the Bible study last time is when I realized that. Every time God wants to judge you or judge the world, he ends up leaving a blessing. I mean, think about our God. He's so full of mercy and so full of compassion that every time he comes to judge, he ends up leaving a blessing. It's like his heart doesn't want to judge. And he gave you a lot of examples, and I'm not going to example, but just a quick thing. First time he wanted to judge the earth, he came to Noah. Guess what? He ended up leaving a blessing and declaring an oath, saying that as long as there is earth remains, there will, these floods will never cover the earth. And he put a rainbow in the sky as a promise. He said, doesn't matter if man becomes more wicked than the days of Noah, I will still not destroy the earth. Come on. So are you better off before the flood or after the flood? <laughs> so, so after the flood, we ended up with a better deal with God. Right? 
That's a better deal with God. I mean, nothing to do with your righteousness. Just by his goodness, okay? Then, there was an example of when God wanted to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. So he wants to come to uh, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He comes down. He kind of spent time with Abraham. Why? You want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Go and destroy them. But God doesn't want to. You got it? He's so compassionate. So he spends time with Abraham. Abraham doesn't know anything about it. So he finally tells Abraham, I'm going to, you know, I, I cannot but hide what I'm going to do. I'm going to I have to destroy. I mean, uh, the wickedness is too great. So he's waiting. What is he waiting for? <laughs> he's, he's waiting for Abraham to ask him to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. So what does Abraham do? Abraham starts thinking just like a man thinks. You know, why God will only spare if there is if there is righteous people in the earth, right? So he starts bargaining with them. So he brings down to 50. Then there is 30. Then it's 20. Then it is 10. Then what happens? He stops at 10. Why? He says, because he's associating God's mercy to what? He's associating God's mercy to, to man's righteousness. You see? Big problem. God's way is God doesn't want. He just wants you. He wants you to ask that, Lord, forgive. <laughs> you know? Rece I receive mercy. I'm not going to trade my righteousness for, my, for your goodness. So God is waiting for just for Abraham to say, spare them. And you know what God would have done? He would have spared. He would have spared. So, so that is why. So he, he doesn't have to stop at 10. He doesn't have to stop at 10. In fact, you would not believe this. So when Jesus shows up in Capernaum and Bethsaida, they've listened to this gospel of Jesus Christ, which is not a gospel of fire and brimstone. It's a gospel of compassion which really showed up i mean when jesus came there was no filter <laughs> this i love it so for the longest time god had to walk through a filter that he is a compassionate god but he cannot appear compassionate to a wicked man without uh, losing his justice you got what i'm saying you know what i'm saying trying to say i cannot be seen as being compassionate but overlooking your sin so it gives you license to think that sin is okay but yet, at the same time, I'm very compassionate. But I cannot appear as compassionate without doing injustice to my justice. So he had to appear through a filter. But when Jesus came, there was no filter. He was like, he was eating with the tax collectors. He was forgiving the prostitutes. He was, he was, he was, he was having compassion all around. So finally he says, if this gospel was preached in Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented. See? See, that shows what God's plan was for Sodom and Gomorrah. What's God's plan for Sodom and Gomorrah was? What to be preached in that city? The good news of the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we studied a lot of that examples right through judgment. And I forgot to mention once, when God wanted to judge David, David numbered Israel. You remember that? God became mad because who, why did God become mad when he, I can't, I can't use the word mad. God was angry 
with David because for numbering his people. Why? Because David was going to get credit. He was trying to get credit for it. Right, but why? See, I have no right, though I love to, you know, to check Jair's bank account, right? <laughs> because he's a rich guy. I'd like to see how much he has. But I have no right in it because that is not mine. The moment I count his bank account means what? I, I own it. You got it? When you number something, you are establishing ownership. You don't number somebody else's stuff. You only number your stuff. So when David numbered God's people, what is he saying? Those God's people are my people. And God is a jealous God. Because if you are responsible for those people, then you need to provide for that people. Correct? Very, very interesting. So God was angry with that. So now God is about to bring judgment upon David, right? So he said, so, he, so he, God gives him options. Okay, wh what do you want? You want how many? Three years of uh, famine? Uh, three... Uh, he, you do want to be pursued by enemies? Do you want pestilences? Or finally, or do you want to be killed by the sword by the angel? What did David choose? I love it. Because David knows God. What does he know about God? He's merciful. See, that's a beauty. Do you see, even under the old covenant, people who knew God had access to the same victories that you have in Christ Jesus. You see, that's the beauty. That is why God loved David. He was a new covenant man in old covenant times. He was like, Lord, don't impute your sin to me. Guys, what do you mean, no, don't impute your sin to me? You, you sin, you die. No, Lord, I don't, no, understand. I don't understand everything, but don't impute it. What is he asking? He's saying, you will find a way to impute it on somebody else. Right? Who is that? Jesus. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so guess what? So when God is now about to judge, so uh, David chose that, uh, to be killed by the, uh, to receive judgment at the sword of an angel. So the angel starts killing people in Israel. He's with a sword. He's starting to kill people. But guess what happened? Before the day is done, the Lord said, that's enough. Stop. And where he stopped, that place was Mount Moriah. And that's the place where David built an altar. And that place, he built a temple. That place, that mountain became the place where Jesus died. And that place became the place for salvation for all of the earth. I mean, that judgment precipitated a temple that became the place for redemption for all mankind. Think about it. A judgment precipitated the temple of God. That's the beauty of our God. Our God is a very compassionate God. So this is the verse I want you to read. I want you to go back and read this. Psalms chapter 145. Are you all guys ready to understand and get a revelation? Because I'll tell you, if you get this revelation of who God is, and that's now revealed in Jesus, you can only receive 
what you see in Jesus. Let me repeat that. You can only receive what you see Jesus. You cannot receive what you don't see him. But you'll say, Anil, how, that is not even, that doesn't make any sense. If you are strong, what does that got, got to do with whether I see you strong or not? You, can, you should still be able to lift this table. Unfortunately, that's not how God's economy and the system works. If you don't see Jesus strong in that area of your life, you cannot receive in that area from him. So you might receive salvation from him because you know that he died for sinners. But you cannot receive healing from him because you don't see him the healer. You might receive healing from him, but you cannot receive resources in your life for to live because you don't see him rich. You got it? Because you constantly see him that poor. You, you have never moved away from the fact that he became poor on the cross. You're like stuck. I mean, the movie has moved on, you know. He suffered so that he can enter into his glory. A lot of believers are stuck in the suffering part of Jesus, never into the glory part of Jesus. Do you know that he became poor so that you might become rich? So everything. But in that area, you will not receive. So in an area of relationships, if you don't see him that he, he, he is full of love, you will not be able to dispense love because you don't see him loving. You'll see, therefore, you're always demanding of your subordinates, your office, your kids. You're like, always, they, you have a demand for perfection. Because you don't see, you see God as a very hard God for you. He makes a demand of me. He's hard with me. I've gone through so many struggles and proved myself and received these good things. You know, So you have a very wrong understanding of God. So guess how you're going to receive all your things in your life? How? Through hard times. Because you've learned that as the way to receive from God. You, you, you got it? You see this? I want you to understand this. Seeing Jesus is how you're going to receive. Fundamental. It has nothing to do with who he is. He is who he said he is. I am who I say I am. But if you don't see him in that area, strong and full, you cannot receive of his fullness. Because you can only receive of his fullness. If you see Jesus lacking in one thing, what's your instinct would be? To supply that area, correct? Like for example, we talked about Mary and Martha. So Mary and Martha, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet in that house. Martha was busy. Did it doesn't say cooking, right? Was trying to serve. Why was Martha trying to serve Jesus? Because what was Martha seeing Jesus? Lacking food. You see? The moment you see Jesus lacking something, you are forced to serve him with that. Can you bankrupt you? <laughs> you puny you. <laughs> you stinky you. Can you supply to this God? Can you? You cannot. How can you? What makes you think you can supply to this God? See, so she's, so what is Jesus' response to him? Jesus' response to her, 
Martha, Martha, any time Jesus calls your name two times, not good. <laughs> I mean, you constantly look through the Bible, Simon, Simon, not good. <laughs> don't want, you don't want to hear your name two times from Jesus. It's like, really? <laughs> I mean, you don't want to hear it, Ranjit, Ranjit. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> So Ranjit hears that from Gracie, right? What do you, what do you all call each other? Ah, I love that. I love that. Come on, wives. Come on, wives. Listen to this. Listen to this. Do you know called honey, honey? <laughs> that sounds like a bonium. Honey, honey. <laughs> so, so he said that, so Martha, Martha, you are troubled about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part. What the good part is Mary chosen? A posture of receiving. Mary chose a posture of receiving. How do you receive from somebody who lacks? You cannot. So Mar what was Mary seeing Jesus? Full. Oh my goodness. I cannot even go into the kitchen. I have to go to serve. But he's so full. I will miss that one revelation. Oh my goodness. I want to go to serve. But he's saying something so beautiful. I, I don't want to miss. Because he's like dripping revelation. Dripping wisdom. Dripping everything. So that's exactly what Queen of Sheba came. She came from the end of the earth to receive from why did she come from the end of the world to receive from Solomon? Because Solomon lacked or Solomon had full. Was full. So he came to see a full Solomon. And she, when she came, she said, half of what has been said about you is not even what I've seen. It is so much more. And she came to hear of Solomon. And Jesus says, a greater then Solomon is here. He's talking about himself. He said, I am greater in wisdom than Solomon. Queen of Sheba came all the way to see me, see him. And you just think that I need stuff. So how you see Jesus is how you receive. Very, very critical. Okay. So we are not going to revisit that message again. So I'd love for you to go back and check it through it. And also show you examples of where they didn't receive the some... Uh, uh, Laudation Church in Nazareth, the Pharisees, a lot of examples. And there, I'll put the notes up. Um, I don't think I can put it on the website yet. But if you want the notes, just email me and I'll send you the notes. Okay. So I want you to continue this teaching very powerfully. And the Lord has shown something very powerful uh, during the last couple of weeks. And I wanted to kind of share that with you. But before we get into that, when Jesus... So there's a verse, and I want you to go through this. And this was the... The underlining verse. Uh, read John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh. It's talking about the word becoming flesh is Jesus. And dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. We beheld his glory. And now he clarifies what he saw. So, so I know that you have read that verse. You have... And you miss this. Okay? I want you to read it very slowly. Everybody got that verse? Okay, on your iPads, phones, I want you to pick up that verse. Okay, what does it say? 
and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father. Guys, what did they see the glory of Jesus? So, so when we say they saw the glory of Jesus, we always never read the rest part of the uh, verse because it tells you what they saw. See, when they see they saw glory of Jesus, what's your first understanding? They saw Jesus glorious. So what's, what's going in your mind? What did they see Jesus? Natural mind, not what is written here. What's your first impression when they said they saw Jesus? He was God who became a man and they saw him full of glory. Shining light. Shiny light. <laughs> How many of you had the picture when you read that verse? They saw glory means light shining from his face. Correct? Duh. That's not what it says. The Holy Spirit tells what they saw. See, there was no light shining out of Jesus' face when he was here on the earth. There was no. I'm sorry to disappoint you. There was no light shining out of his face, in his natural face when he was on the earth. It was not. There was only one time when that happened, and we'll talk about it. But when he was walking in the, on the shore of Galilee, when he was walking in Judea, when he was walking in Caesarea, he was walking everywhere. He was just ordinary looking. But the Holy Spirit says, and he's, John is saying, we saw it. We saw his glory. And they says, what was the glory? Full of grace and truth. Okay. Let's handle the tougher one later because we, we did a whole study on what truth is. Let's look at the first part. Full of grace. What does full of grace mean? Full of mercy. These, remember the, Bible, the Greek translation of grace is the Hebrew word hased of grace. The hased is translated in the Old Testament. People, commentators are very confused. They, they, there is not one word to describe hased. It's like loving kindness, everlasting compassion, merciful God. You know, it's like that one word which is constantly talking about how compassionate God is, how merciful he is. He is full of tender, loving kindness. So they, they, so they have to use multiple words. Tender, loving kindness. Because there is not one word that can be in the standard of hased. So, they, that's why in the Bible it says, Hased ve met. Ve means and. Hased ve met. Met means truth. Grace and truth. It's an Old Testament word. It's a Hebrew word. Every Jew knows about it. So when John is writing, he's saying, Duh, this is what the Lord is. The Lord is Hased ve met. Means grace and truth. What grace? The loving kindness. The most. For the first time, they saw God as what? Merciful. Merciful and compassionate. He saw him full. They, go, they were amazed how compassionate Jesus is. I want you all as believers to get a picture of Jesus. The Lord that you serve is a very, 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 very compassionate God. You got it? See, see, see. Guys, you all should understand it. He he's not proud enough to be known as a powerful God and a, a great God 
That's not he prides himself. He prides himself in knowing. I'm telling you, if Anil, let me tell you, Cyril, Cyril Anil, I call him Anil, okay. If Anil says, how do you want people to know you, right? Which is more important, what he thinks about it or what I think he should be known as? What he wants. I mean, I was like, I want to know from him what he needs to be known as, right? Or should I, is it important what I think he should be known as? No, I want, I want to know from him, how do you want people to know you, correct? Ranjal, if I want, how do you want people to know you? You don't have to answer, it's a trick question, you know? <laughs> but we know how we think CC of you, right? No comments. <laughs> loving, loving, loving and compassionate. But, but you want to be, we want to know from you what you need to be known as. See, Jesus is telling, I want to be known as a God who is full of compassion. You got it? So let's see him as that. What's your problem? See, why are you trying to attribute, uh, attribute uh, qualities of power and fire and strength? That he is. There's no discounting. But if he wants to be known as something, he wants to be known as a compassionate and a merciful God. How do I know this? Where is that? Where did he say it? <laughs> that is so safe. It's like with Joanna, when we have a Bible study on Sundays, you know, so you'll ask her a question. Anytime you ask her anything, she said, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you cannot go wrong with the Jesus. <laughs> so, so, so here is, so he says, it's full of, so look, just look at uh, Psalms 145. Come on, let's read Psalms 145, verse 8 and 9. I want you to underline that as like a red line, mark it, star it, bubble it. If you want to know God who is full, we now realize that we can only receive of his fullness. So now let's understand what is he full of, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's read uh, Psalms 145, verse 8 and 9. Mm -hmm. Let's read it. The, the Lord is gracious and full of? Compassion. Full of? Doesn't say full of strength, full of power, full of wrath. What is he full of? Compassion. Okay? Then? Wow. That means he is slow to anger. That means if he has one problem, <laughs> if God has one issue, right? It is what? He is not quick to judge. He's slow. I mean, we're like, Lord, get on with it, man. Just kill them, man. Kill them. <laughs> when we look at all the stuff that's happening in the world, we're like, I, I don't have like 24 hour patience. You know, it's like, Lord, just kill them. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Jesus. Kill them all. You know? Take them to glory. Let's make it quick, Lord. So it's like, we're slow to anger. Like game, right? goal. goal is like the Mexican goals, right? <laughs> Their one victory joins the next goal. <laughs> so slow to anger and oh, great in. I thought you just finished telling that you're full of compassion, correct? 
Why do you want to again say that you are great in mercy? We get it, Lord. We get it. We understand the point. The point is, he's merciful because he doesn't want even that little anger. He wants to overshadow it. The last word out of my mouth should be what? Mercy. Okay. The Lord is good to hold on. Not to the godly. Not to the wicked. To who? He's good to all. Right? What? And is wow. I thought mercy itself is tender. But he just wants to qualify it. He's like, when I show mercy, I don't show it like yeah, yeah, go. You can have it. Go. You always want. What do you have? <laughs> you know, when parents give you stuff. Okay, okay, go. You're always bugging me. Go, take it. Talk, take it. <laughs> Not like that. Compassionate, tender mercy. When he shows mercy also, he doesn't make you feel as if, as if you are, you're bothering him. He gives it by lifting him up and looking into his face. Like the woman with an issue of blood touched Jesus and received complete healing. In a, under the law, when a woman with an issue of blood cannot touch, cannot be in public, she is unclean. Every time she comes in the in the public, she has to cry out, unclean, 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 because you're not supposed to. Because you don't want to pollute somebody else who's walking Righteously. <laughs> I wonder who was righteous in that gang. You know? So she touches this uh, Jesus and receives. See, how did she receive? How did she receive? She received of his fullness. How do you know she received of his fullness, not of his enoughness? I don't know. This is a word called enoughness. Okay. This, come on. What's the word for enoughness? Just enoughness. So he didn't, how do you know that she received of his fullness, not from just enough? No. What did she touch? No. Hem of his garment. Not even the garment, not even the hand. She touched the border. Means what? What she's thinking. What is she thinking? No, no, no. She's thinking he is dripping healing. He is dripping healing. All I do is just touch his hem and I will receive. What does it do? Glorify Jesus or glorify her? Jesus. Shows how great I am. That even my hem of my garment is dripping healing. That's how you receive? Amazing. Look at how you receive. It's very simple. You have to see him full, brimming. You cannot help but be rich. I know that offends people. You, know, it's like, you have to see Jesus so rich. So like, like there should be so much gold that you have to give it away. Did it happen to somebody? Who was that? Solomon. There was so much gold. Brass was considered useless. The Bible, this is Bible's words. He said there was so much gold in that land that they did not even value brass, any other metal. There's so much gold. Where did he get it? No, 
because the Lord said, I will give it to you. He received it from God. He said, because you asked for wisdom, and because who is wisdom? Jesus. And we studied that in the last live stream at Alkesh's house. We had a little bit of a sharing after the live stream. That was very powerful because that was very powerful. The moment Solomon received wisdom, he did something very unique. Do you know what he did? No. Alkesh, you remember that? He, the moment he, he finished the prayer, Solomon finished the prayer, he asked for wisdom. God said, because you've asked, you do not ask anything else, you ask for wisdom, I'll also give you wealth, and I will also give you... Uh, wealth and what else? All the enemies. All the enemies, all the, life of your enemies. You'll have peace, you'll have victory over all your enemies. I'll give it to you, you didn't ask for it. Because you asked wisdom, and God, Jesus, Father's mind, when somebody asks for wisdom, what are they asking for? Jesus, correct? So he gave Jesus to him. How do we know he received Jesus? Look at what he did. The moment he got up from there, he went before the ark of the Lord in Jerusalem. Because the ark, he was praying before the tabernacle in Gibeon, correct? And there, it was only the tabernacle, the ark David had taken to Jerusalem, because David just loved the ark. That's a picture of? He loved Jesus. He's, he's operating in the new covenant, though he's in the old covenant. He's like, I don't care about the temple. I am just going to worship the ark. I'm going to be before the ark. He's not supposed to be in the front of the ark. I mean, that's the most holy place. He'll be killed. No, I don't care. You know, so he's like, I'm going to dance before the ark. Because for him, he sees Jesus. That's the picture. That's why he was blessed. So the moment he got up, he is worshipping before a temple which did not have the ark. The moment he got up, he went before the ark. Why? Because the ark is Jesus Christ. That's how, you know, he received wisdom. So, so the point is that the Lord is good. His tender mercies are over all his works. So he is full. So if, if you want to see God good, full, the Lord Jesus full, what, do you, what does Jesus want to be seen full of? Come on, you all have to get this. So we beheld his glory as the, beh as the glory of the only begotten of the Father. What? Full of grace. So grace is what? Compassion. You have to see Jesus compassionate. Jonathan, you, when you have your quiet times, you have to see the Father not finding fault with you. You make sense? You have to see him compassionate. You'll say, but Anil, I made a mistake again. How do you see him now? Manor? Still compassionate. Like for example, let me give an example. Classic uh, contrast. Uh, Judas denied the Lord and betrayed Jesus. Correct? Peter denied the Lord and denied him three times. Judas had remorse. Correct? The Bible specifically said he, 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 he had remorse. He repaid all what you think Christians should do. You have remorse, you should admit your mistake, you should pay it back, and then do something about it, correct? No. <laughs> See, that's where the trick is. But Peter did nothing. He had remorse, he cried bitterly, and did something about it? 
No, he didn't do anything about it. Why? The moment you do something about it means what? You are paying the price. Judas wanted to do something about it. He paid the price. You got the difference? So, so when Peter is denying him the third time, he turned and looked to Jesus. What did he see in the eyes of Jesus Christ? He's like, seriously? I told you, right? <laughs> I, I told you. So do you think those eyes were telling that to Peter? I told you, see? Mm. See, he didn't say that. What was, his, what was his eyes showing to Peter? Why did he weep? Because Jesus still loved him. It doesn't make any sense. For Peter, it is this, he doesn't blow his mind. How can, I mean, he is suffering there. He's just, I mean, he's across the court. He's suffering there. He's, he's whipped. He's still looking at Peter and saying, don't worry, Peter. Don't worry. I have prayed for you. Your faith should not fail. Hold on. I am very, I love you still. Don't think I don't love you. No, 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 Peter, 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 Peter. Don't do that. Don't do that. I love you. He's saying, draw from me. I am still full of compassion for you. Even when you mess up. Where, how should you seek uh, this great Jesus? JR, always full of compassion. Always full of compassion. Always full of mercy. Because if you can see him full of, guess what's going to happen to you? You can receive of his unmerited favor towards you. And full of truth. What is truth? Truth is righteous, righteously. That means he treats you. The Bible says he gives mercy to Abraham and truth to Jacob. <laughs> Why do you think he gives truth to Jacob? Jacob means what? Surplanter Sir Sir or a deceiver. He gives truth to Jacob. Truth means he declares Jacob righteous, righteous irrespective of what his name says. So that's called truth. He's full of truth. Means what? He declares you righteous irrespective of what you did. He declares you. So I was, we were sharing in some other, uh, we were having a Bible study. So we were sharing in Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Was it Milo's Song of Solomon, chapter 2? Where uh, the, the bridegroom, it's a picture of the rapture. It's a beautiful picture of the rapture, by the way. He stands outside the door wall and looks through the lattice. And he looks at the bride and says, rise, my fair one, come away. It's a beautiful picture of the rapture. He looks through the lattice, he looks through the window, and he says, arise, my fair one. See, the Jesus never looks at the church anything but the fair one. Never finds a fault with the church. Never finds fault with you. Because he gives you full of truth. He declares you my fair one for how long? Forever. Arise, my fair one, and come away. Come away. That means, come with me. Don't be afraid of the world. The world is going into hell and in a basket, but I'm going to take it away. By the way, it's a beautiful picture of the rapture, that whole uh, second song of Solomon. You should read it many times, and we'll, we'll talk about it later. Okay, now let's go back to the revelation of the Holy One. So Jesus comes preaching this gospel to Israel. So they are like blown away. They're like, they've never heard this. So all the prophets before have come preaching what? You all guys have messed up. Y'all are going to go into uh, wilderness. Y'all are going to come back. Y'all are following false idols. I'm going, we're going to, God is going to destroy you unless you repent. Constantly, right? So Jesus comes as a prophet 
prophet of Nazareth, right from Nazareth, out of a place that, like the Las Vegas of those times. And he says, he comes and starts preaching this gospel of great compassion. So let's read this. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Verses 21 to 24. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the, on the Sabbath. This is the first opening scene of Jesus' ministry. Correct? This is Mark chapter? <laughs> so how early is it in Jesus' ministry? Is it, it is Mark chapter? 1. Beginning. Mark chapter? I want you to get it in your heads. Right at the very beginning, Jesus. So this gospel didn't evolve, is what I'm trying to say. Right? It didn't evolve. He started with this gospel. What was this gospel? Look at it. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 24. He, they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his teaching. What, why were they astonished at his teaching? Because he was not making a demand of them. They were very, he was willing to heal them irrespective of their sins. He was willing to have mercy on them irrespective of their condition. So he's having compassion on them. And there was a, a man, he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. He cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to? Satan is very smart. So Jesus is preaching a gospel of compassion. compassion. The unclean spirit cries out saying what? Have you come to? Why does the unclean spirit do this? Judging God. For centuries, Satan's ploy against man has been what? God is against you. What do you think the first temptation was? Who is against you? Did he, say, did he really say that? He knows that if you eat of the fruit, you would be like him. Right? So that means he doesn't have your best interest in mind. He's against you. He's hiding stuff from you. My question is, why would he hide? <laughs> that's, a, that's a stupid way to hide stuff. Put it in the middle of the garden. <laughs> if God wants to hide stuff, he has better ways to hide stuff, right? Do you hide stuff in the middle of the living room? <laughs> Sometimes the enemy is dumb. Say he's dumb. Because he cannot fool us. He cannot fool us because we are off his kingdom. We can see. See, our eyes are open. But whose eyes are blind, he can fool us with stupid stuff. God is going to hide stuff from you. Why would he hide stuff from you? He's putting it in the center of the garden. And doesn't want you to eat of the tree of life. Why, why would you do that? Have you thought about it? If he doesn't want to put it in, eat of you, you would have hidden it away. He has no plans. He, the, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Then your question is, Stanley's thinking, why, did, why don't you answer it? Why did he put it in the center? Why do you think he's put it in the center? No, no, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, why does he put it in the center of the garden? Jesus. <laughs> See, Cyril got it. He said it correctly. The answer is Jesus. <laughs> but why Jesus? 
because the knowledge of good and evil can only be satisfied in Jesus. Only he can keep the law and the prophets. Only he can keep it. But you are not supposed to eat of that. You are supposed to eat of the tree of life. Because once you eat of the tree of life, God will credit you as if you kept the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because he gives you what? What's the word? Not compassion, but what? Truth. He gives you truth. That means he considers you as if you kept the truth. You got it? He gives you, my, you, you get this picture? He gives you the credit of having kept the law, but without having kept the law. He gives it to you as a gift. He gives you this gift, but before you can get that as a gift, he wants you to eat the tree of life. Eat except Jesus by choice, not by force. Okay, so, so he said... Why do you, did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. See, Satan never has a problem declaring God, Jesus Christ is holy. Because he uses Jesus' holiness for what purpose? To condemn you. So you're like, JR, what would Jesus do in this situation? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What does that do to you when, I, when somebody asks you, what would Jesus do? So does it encourage you to do the right thing? Or it makes you defensive? It makes you careful. It makes you careful and fills you with dread. What would Jesus do? Jesus would do everything perfect. But look, you messed up. You are condemned. See, Jesus gives you his righteousness as a gift. You got it? But he, Satan has no problems in calling him the Holy One of Israel. But he wants to give you a picture that he, the Holy One of Israel has come to judge you. Jesus in John chapter 3 in the very famous verse for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have life. What's the next verse? Do you know that a lot of people don't know the next verse? Read it. That's the verse Satan doesn't want you to know. No, 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 no. Read it. <laughs> read it. I want you to read it. John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Have you heard preaching? God did not send the son into the world. Don't use my son. To condemn the world. God did not send the son. To condemn the world. Can you memorize that? God did not send the son. Into the world. To condemn me. Say. I want you to know. You will need to know John 3.17. More than John 3.16. As a believer. John 3.16 is not going to do you any good. Why? <laughs> you are already in. Why do you have to keep showing your ticket once you're inside the cruise? <laughs> Everywhere, you're eating your food. Oh, I have a ticket, I have a ticket, you know. <laughs> Every time you go somewhere, I'm, he's going to sleep. I have a ticket. 
You have a ticket, you are in. Throw the ticket out. Or are you the guy who keeps the boarding pass till the next flight? <laughs> How many people have boarding flights from the past flights in their drawers? Just in case, if the government asks me proof, just in case. Man, get over with it. <laughs> get over. You are in, man. You are in. John 3.17 is what you need. Why, why do you need John 3.17? Why do you need John 3.17? Because every day, say every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. The enemy comes and tells me he has sent his son to condemn me. You get it? Can you read it now? So I want you to read after me John 3.17 by putting your name in it. Okay? Let's read it. Come on. Hold on. I'm going to share with you. John 3.17. John 3.17. For God did not send a son. Did not send a son. Surely he has not sent a son into the world to condemn. Put your name. Anil. To condemn. Put your name. To condemn. Anil. But that the world through him might be saved. So you get this? So every morning when Satan comes with some condemnation in your life, your boss says some stuff. He, he doesn't tell you directly. He brings it through always your colleague, your boss, your family, your spouse. Always, 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 always these arrows are coming to you 24-7 in your life. It's always like, so anytime your spouse says something like that, you should say, <clears throat> John 3.17. God did not send you into this world. <laughs> God did not. I say God did not. <laughs> Milu, is, Milu is even refusing to look towards me. <laughs> She's like all over the place. I didn't hear that. I just missed that. <laughs> what? Did you say something? <laughs> yes, she did say. He did say. He did not send this son. Did not send you. Did not send you. <laughs> it doesn't say daughter. Why are you trying to find the ways for Gracie, man? Come on, man. Okay. So that's the whole point. So John 3.17 is something that you need to know. Why? Because the enemy loves for you to wake up in the morning and say, he's the holy one of Israel. But you cannot match up to what he wants, standards in your life. Agree? But that's when you at, uh, destroy his plans. So what doctrine is it? So, John 18. So Jesus is before the high priest. And the high, John chapter 18, verse 19. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly in the world. Because everybody knew Jesus was preaching this gospel of compassion. 
So the high priest asks this before his crucifixion. He says, tell me about your doctrine. Because obviously this doctrine is not what the Old Testament was preaching. You got it? Because then there's, there's nothing. Why would they ask him about his doctrine? If it was the same doctrine that they've always heard. Because it was a very different doctrine. It was a doctrine of compassion. Correct? So he says, tell us about your doctrine. So Jesus is saying, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. That means I have shared this gospel everywhere. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I have said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. See, everybody knew what Jesus was preaching. He was a God who is preaching the gospel of mercy and truth. Okay. So, remember this one passage in the Bible. I don't know. I, we have not even gone into the appetizer yet. <laughs> we, are, we are on page one, first paragraph. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. I have a lot of compassion on you. I cannot. I won't be able to get through this whole part. See, this is a full God. I, this is, I've not even gotten into the appetizer. Forget about the message. Okay. But okay, so there was this one part of the message. Only once did Jesus ever ask a demon his name. Do you remember that? Yes. You know? The only one part. It was the uh, unclean spirit at Gadarens. So, the, yeah, he asked them, What is your name? You have always wondered why <laughs> was this this like, special demon <laughs> that Jesus wanted to know the name of? <laughs> For our benefit. No, I mean, he cast a lot of demons all around. But this one particular demon, he wanted to know their name. Like something special about this demon? No. The reason is very simple. So when, he, when this demon-possessed man in Gadarens, and the uh, reference is Mark chapter 5, verses 6 to 10. When he saw Jesus, when who saw Jesus? The man. The man saw Jesus from far. He ran and worshipped Jesus. Did you get this picture? Correct, okay. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, What have I to do with you, Jesus? Exactly what Satan always wants. Jotsna, you are those, you, what, what have you to do with this great Jesus? You are here. He is there. What have I? He always puts a sense of aloofness from this great compassionate God. Because he knows if you come close to this compassionate father, what will you know about him? He is full of compassion. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't introduce him to my boss. His boss might give him everything what he wants. I have to give him a picture as if my boss is very angry with you so that then I can control you. You got it? Have you seen bosses, uh, supervisors who are like that? The boss is very compassionate, but that middle level is horrible. Horrible. You just bring the problem to the boss and the boss is like, sure, sure you can have an FTO. Sure you can take family leave, no problem. But you go to your immediate boss, no, 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 no. My boss, the boss is, you know, not one day, not one day. That's because he's misrepresenting the father to you on a constant basis. And he doesn't want to meet with his father because this father is very compassionate. So, 
So he says, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Is that correct? Correct. He has no problems with the fact of who Jesus is. He has no problems with the fact that Jesus is holy. He has no problem with the fact that he's the son of God. No problems. Meets all the criteria for a Christian. No. The criteria for knowing the Christian is that you can boldly enter the throne of grace. You got it? Everything else is genetically modified Christianity. That's not my words. Jesse Duplantis. <laughs> genetically modified Christianity makes Jesus the son of God, the holy one, uncorruptible, great, and powerful. Where is this mercy in this whole picture? Doesn't want you to know that he's merciful. Doesn't want you to know that you can walk into his presence. Doesn't want you to know that he can, even if you mess up 100 times, he still loves you with the same unconditional love. He doesn't want you to know that he calls you the fair one. He doesn't want you to know, brother, you will miss the rapture if you are not perfect. No. Arise, my fair one, and come away. Always. Always. Okay. So, keep going. He, I, I, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not Torment me. Is that correct? So, 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 so this demon-possessed man is out here coming to worship Jesus. And there is a lot of crowd who is watching this, correct? So this man out of his mouth is calling Jesus what? The son of God. And tells him, what have we to do with you? You do not torment me. So in the eyes of the people who are hearing this, what are they hearing? Jesus is come to torment you. Correct? So now Jesus is now cannot rebuke the man. Why? Because he is not saying this. He is, what is he doing? He's worshiping Jesus. Out of his mouth is coming these words. So he cannot rebuke him. But the people around are now getting a picture that Jesus has come to torment people. Correct? So he now has to solve the problem. So what does he do? He said, no, 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 My Hindi comes out at this point of time, right? So he is... He asks him before he can cast him out. He can cast the devil out. But that doesn't solve the problem because the testimony of the man before he was cast out was Jesus has come to torment me. Correct? So Jesus doesn't want to receive the testimony of that I have come to torment you. Agreed? So he asks, what's your name? The moment the man said, Benjamin. He didn't say that. What did he say? Why? Because who was speaking? Because who was speaking? So suddenly by the name, what, what became evident to everybody? That all the words before this 
was not of the man, but of the demon. Thank you, Jesus. That's why he asked him his name. Because if the man would have said, I, Benjamin, that means he, whatever he said about Jesus is then true. Because he's worshipping him and saying that you are come to torment me. But now the fact that he says that it is not I, Jesus, it is not I who said these words. The demons cried out legion, for we are many. The moment they said that, Jesus said, go. Not, he didn't even use many words. I mean, when we cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, now come on by the blood of Jesus, come on. You all kinds of stuff. No, Jesus was very clear. When he used authority, he used authority like a king. You look in that whole passage. If you have a red, how many of you have a red line Bible? So there is black, 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 black. In that whole page, there is only one red. And there's only one red word. And that one red word is what, you know? No! Go. Go. This one word. <laughs> Wrong translation. <laughs> King James. King James. I, it's, a, it's a good translation, but it's in a different gospel. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's right. But it. Come out. It's just one word. Just one word. Go in Hebrew. Just go. 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 He just go. And he said, and he left. So Jesus had authority over demon. But the point is, that showed him that it was so important for Jesus that he is known among men as not as the one who torments, but as the one who saves, saves. You got this? That's the only place that he used that name. Because that opened up. And after that, the demon couldn't hide behind the man. For the demons are always hiding behind flesh and blood, right? So they're always hiding behind flesh and blood. But if you know who is speaking, it is not them. It is that spirit that is behind that man who's speaking and condemning you through your, it doesn't know. He uses everybody. He used Peter, remember? He uses everybody. He will use anybody. Doesn't mean that they are possessed. They will use any words to condemn you, to condemn you. Because he doesn't want you to know that Jesus is a God of compassion. My name is a legion for Yemeni, and he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. And finally, so now I want you to stay with this. This is very powerful. I don't know whether we have time to go through all of the part, but let's look at Mark chapter 5. Same passage, right? So uh, are you at Mark chapter 5? Okay. Talk about ministry. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Yeah, uh, Bobby is correct. In this gospel, there are other words. Come out of the man, what is your name? But in the other gospel, there's only one word, go. Oh, okay. Go. It's, I think it's in Luke, and I think you can, you can take a look at that. Okay. The whole passage, just one word, go. But yes, here he asks his name, obviously, correct? So in that sense. After she said, come out. Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Yeah, but he said it with just one word. In the other gospel, it mentions that. Okay. So he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. And a large herd of swine was feeding there. He, at once Jesus gave them permission and the unclean spirits went, entered the swine, 
and it drowned in the sea so that when they fled so those who fed the swine fled and told in the city and in the country okay so those who fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country and they went down to see what had happened and when they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had a legion sitting and clothed in the right mind they were afraid agreed so and those who saw it told them what had happened to him who had been demon possessed and about the so uh, look up. So here is ministry happening. Is there ministry happening? So there are people who have now gone and talked about what happened to the man and what has happened to the swine. They go back and tell the city. And all the city people now come to Jesus. Correct? So is this ministry? Is it good ministry? What do you think? Okay. Let's see whether this ministry is effective. Agreed? Do you get it? So what are they sharing about this? So why did the people now come from the city out into the wilderness to meet Jesus? What did they come out to see? Think about it. See, what did they, what did they come? For then those who saw it told them what had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. So what part of Jesus are they highlighting? They are, they are talking about how this whole swine, the power of this Jesus, with one word, he sent this whole strong, well-fed swine dashing against their will into the sea. The power of God. Agreed? Then he talked about the demon-possessed man. How the great power of Jesus cast authority over demons. And the man has been delivered. Agreed? So what is the response to this ministry? Look at what he says. Verse 17. Now listen to this. Is this good ministry? No. I thought you guys all agreed that this ministry of getting people to know about the anointing power of the Lord Jesus, the strength of Jesus to cast out demons, the power against unclean spirits is great. And they all come to see Jesus. But what happened? They were afraid. What, what happened? They began to plead with him to depart from this region. Let me ask you a question. This is very powerful. If you all get this, you all get it. Why do you think they were pleading with Jesus to leave that region? Correct. They said the same Jesus who has the authority to cast out demons into the sea, who has, has, has power and great strength, he is going to now turn against you. He wants you, he wants you to 
the ministry of great power of God does not entreat us to the Lord Jesus Christ and will not bring believers to saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, what will bring them to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? The compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, if only they can, I can show them great videos about the power of God. You can show them 100 videos <laughs> and give them 100 books, how God makes intelligent design and uh, apologetics and the authority of God and the power of God. It may have some result, but the greatest result is when what happens. See, because for an unsaved man and a sinner man, he is not drawn to God because of his great power. The great power of God, the great authority of God is a dread to sinful man. When Jesus will appear in the skies very soon, every eye shall see him. What is the response of all the earth? Dread. They will hide in their caves. They will hide in the rocks and they will say, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. Why? Great authority and great power and him coming in the clouds does not get you closer to a sinner because he knows he's condemned. He's going to run away from this great and powerful God. He knows that he's a sinner. What's going to entreat him to this loving God and to this loving Savior is what entreated you to this loving God. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, what drew you close to Jesus when you first saw him? What was his power or was what his mercy towards you? Did you cry when you got saved? Yes. Were you crying because of the great power that he has? <laughs> he was, you were crying because how, how can I make a lesser sacrifice when Jesus gave his all? That was the song that brought me to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, how can you do that? I got saved by seeing a cartoon film <laughs> of Pilgrim's Progress, animation movie. I saw the, the pilgrim and Jesus dying on the cross in that animation movie. And I walked after the end of the animation movie and I told the speaker, said, I want to accept Jesus. <laughs> that, that's how. So the compassion of the Lord Jesus. The compassion of the Lord Jesus. Look at it. Look at what it says. Look at verse 18. And when he had got into the boat, he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him and said to him, what? Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. Do you think Decapolis got saved? This is the city of Decapolis. <laughs> they got saved. Decapolis got saved not by the testimony of Jesus and his power with unclean spirits. He got a testimony of what a man talked about, the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you know that many came? Because later on when Philip, uh, the apostle, visited Decapolis and Samaria, many were saved and received baptism because there's a big church in Decapolis. Who started this church? This man. What was he preaching? About the swine? Jesus. About Jesus. 
and compassion. What do you think he would have been preaching? You know, for many, many years, I was naked and cutting myself and crying. Nobody ever cared for me. Nobody looked at me. I was in the dark and in the tombs. One day, I cried out and said, Lord, send me somebody. Send me somebody. And a man came to me and came all the way just for me. And he left. How many people were saved that day in Gadarins? Just one. He came all the way. Where did he come from, Jesus? Huh? Where did he come from? Where did he come from? He came from Bethsaida and from, from, from the Capernaum area. And he came in a boat. During that boat, what happened while he was coming? The wind and the storm wanted to kill all of them. Why is he going? Why do you think Jesus is going in a perilous journey with the disciples and they are about to get killed in a storm? Just for this one man. Do you think he's wicked? Yes. He, he had how many demons in him? You know how, how much is a legion? 12,000. 12,000 demons in one man. That brings you the capacity of the spirit of man. The spirit of man has got... You, you, you think you're small? That's your physical body. Your spirit is huge. It can, it can, it can accommodate God. You know how big God is? And God can live in your spirit. It's that big. Your spirit is huge. That's why even if you gain the whole wide world, it doesn't satisfy you. Have you seen that? Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates. They have like billions of dollars, but they, Solomon. The, Solomon, he spent, he wrote for the whole book of Ecclesiastes saying meaningless, meaningless. Because what? You cannot fill it. Because the spirit is too big. Say too big. My, big is too, my spirit is too big. Too big. 12,000 demons can sit in your spirit and yet has room for it. But, but when they had to go into the swine, how many, how many could the swine uh, uh, handle? One. <laughs> Maybe they can handle by one demon. But a spirit of a man, all of them can be handled. That's spirit. The whole point is, so why is Jesus making this perilous journey? For this one man. He's like, for one man. He goes and saves this one man and leaves that town without saving anybody else. That's the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, where did he come from? I love what Jair said. A long way away. Do you think he came further from Capernaum? He came from Nazareth. Do you think he came further from Nazareth? He came from a far off place, from heaven. Do you came far? He came further from heaven, from the far off place, from the bosom of the Father. Do you came even farther from that? He came farther from the beginning of time, for one naked man, cutting his body with stones, in a place, forgotten place in Gadarens. That's 
compassion. And doesn't care if there is one more fruit in that town. <laughs> he's just happy-go-lucky. He's just, I, I can't even use that word. He's happy to save him and get back. But he knows, I will not leave this mess place without my compassion being shared in this life. He says, you go and share my compassion. What will you share about me for the rest of your life? That Jesus of Nazareth is full of compassion. Amen? The moment you receive of that, you can receive from this great and mighty God. Do you know this Jesus is the Lord of all the earth? He's the Lord of all the earth. All the earth belongs to you. But he doesn't want to be known as that in your life. He wants to be known as a God who is compassionate towards you. You can walk with him. You can receive from him and be blessed. We have not even started. <laughs> but we have not even started. So, so the message will go on. So we will talk about a very, very powerful message next time. A very, very powerful message. Six thousand. So there are a lot of variations. Some say six, six some say seven thousand. I've heard seven thousand is more accurate, but it is very similar. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So historical accounts, there's a lot of legion variant. That is not correct because it was much more. Yeah. It's written. Two thousand. Because the, the the total count of a legion changed. Uh, as they, I kept adding to it, but go and I did actually an internet search on Legion because once I had taken a session on the Legion. So yes, the pigs. Oh, two thousand pigs went. Oh, okay. Oh, they're saying that two, one one demon for every pig. I think I think de uh, uh, pigs get. Why are we talking about the swine? Okay, but bottom line, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot. Mary Magdalene, out of whom Jesus had cast out? No, there's a number. Uh, 12 demons, or if I, I think it was 12 demons, but, but again, a lot of demons. But you think about Mary Magdalene, maybe seven or two, I didn't, you, you can check it, 12 demons, and this, this man, at least on a conservative basis, at least 6,000 demons. 6,000 demons was tormenting him. No wonder, but they all, with one voice, said, Jesus, you've come to torment us. Sure, they've come to torment him, them. Yes, they have come to torment the demons. They have come to torment your enemies, but not to torment you. Did you all enjoy John chapter 3, verse 17? Amen. Receive from this great God this great Jesus, a compassionate Jesus, and see him compassionate every time you see Jesus. I don't have time. I mean, the message is so powerful. It talks about Jesus, and I'll show you through scriptures, and I'll give you a little taste of it. Every time the prophets, the disciples, John saw Jesus, they saw him in the midst of a golden lampstand. 
and on either side of the golden stamp stand is two anointed ones. And these anointed ones are, who, are referred to as the one who stand before the God of all the earth. Every time people wanted to see Jesus in pure form, this is how he appears. He appears as a huge golden lampstand. Next to it is two witnesses, always. Is these two anointed ones who stand before the Lord of all the earth. Who are these two anointed ones? Moses and Elijah. Who are these anointed ones? The law and the prophets. And they are always witnessing to the center, saying what? Hear him. Even in the Garden of Eden, Jesus was in the center, and there was these two witnesses on either side. Who was the two witnesses? The knowledge of good and evil. And Jesus, the tree of life. Zechariah sees a picture and he sees a golden lampstand and two anointed ones standing on either side. John, finally the picture gets clear. John shows up. Jesus takes Peter, James and John and he tells them, the son of man has to suffer and then enter into his glory. I say to you, there are some standing here who will not see death till they see the coming of the Son of Man in his kingdom. Now he's showing them how the Son of Man really looks in the kingdom. So he takes them to an exceedingly high mountain and Jesus' face changes and he's transfigured. And he's, uh, this is what you were telling, glory, right? We see it. His face shines, his clothes become glittering and becomes like the sun and becomes whiter than snow. And on both sides, suddenly, the two anointed ones show up, Elijah and Moses. Moses and Elijah, correct? And they see it. And immediately Peter says, let us build temples for Moses, Elijah, Jesus, and you. It's good for us to be here. So who is trying to build a temple? Because who is lacking a temple at this point of time? Poor Jesus has no temple, out on a mountain, alone by himself, nothing to shade him from the big storm and the night. See, there's a problem. The moment you see you lack God lacking something, your natural instinct is to do what? To walk, to fulfill. The moment he said this, Elijah and Moses, we don't have anything to do with this. They started departing. Mark, go and read the testimony. They started departing. The moment they said, let us build temples for Moses and Elijah, Moses and Elijah back off. They start backing off because they don't want anything to do with... A temple for them. No! Anything that will take away glory from the tree of life, Jesus. And suddenly the voice comes from heaven with a loud authoritative voice. This! Is my beloved son. Hear him. Means what? Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because man always wants to eat of the law and the prophets and prove himself how perfect he is. God says don't do that. And every vision of where prophets and priests and kings have seen Jesus in his glorified form, their response has consistently been what? Fall down dead. They're always sleeping. 
They're always without strength. Because when you see Jesus in all his glory, you have no strength. How can a sleeping man supply a temple? <laughs> this is so funny. Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration is sleeping. The guy has no strength when he sees Jesus glorified. Jesus wakes him up. Hello? What happened to my temple? <laughs> no, no, you didn't say that. <laughs> see, because a man has no strength. Because when you see Jesus overflowing with abundance of strength, you have no power. Every prophet who has seen Jesus in glory asked Jesus to touch them so that they will have strength to even stand up before this great God. John, in Revelation, he saw, he's talking, and suddenly he hears a voice from the backside. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I was alive and I was dead and I'm alive for everyone. And he turns back and he looks, and he looks what he sees. He sees Jesus in the middle of a lampstand. Same picture that they saw on the mountain. Same picture that they saw on Zechariah saw in his vision. Same picture that Adam and Eve would have seen in the temple. Because he is good to look at. He's a looker. Jesus is a looker. He's very present to look at. He's beautiful. But he's so good to look at, you cannot look at him. Unless he gives you the strength to even look at him. He's so good to look at. Can you look at the sun, Anil? You cannot. You cannot look at it. You cannot look at the sun, but the sun is beautiful. You live off the sun, but you cannot look at him. Jesus is more glorious than a thousand suns. That's the glory of Jesus. And he says, and his message to every church in Revelation is based on what they saw him in the lampstand. Did you notice that? I say to you, he who has eyes of fire. I say to you, he who has feet of bronze. I say to you, he who holds the seven stars. He's always referring to that your supply for your need comes from seeing me great. You got it? You want to see me great? You want supply in your area? It comes in that part of the area about me that I am glorified in. That is the most part. So don't miss next message. You agree? Or if you miss it, please hear it online, right? The vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every time they had a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, they all said, these are the two witnesses who stand before the Lord of all the earth. Who is the Lord of all the earth? Jesus. You know the same Jesus who has compassion on you is Lord of all the earth. You will see it. You will see it. You don't know it right now. And after Jesus was resurrected from, have you wondered? I'm getting into the message. Do you have time? I don't know whether you have time. I'll, give, I'll just cl close it with just two minutes. After Jesus resurrected from the dead, do you see they had a tough time recognizing Jesus? Yes. Have you noticed that? Why was that? Yes, but what happened? What happened? Something changed after resurrection. They could never recognize Jesus. But Jesus spent time with everybody, with the disciples on the way to Emmaus, they couldn't recognize Jesus. And how did they open their eyes? By revealing through the scriptures what the scriptures told about himself. 
The moment they saw that, their eyes were open. Agree? Correct? So the, he shows up in the in the middle of, in in the in the in his in in the upper room, and the upper room they they cannot believe that it is him. He says, "Examine me and handle me," because they cannot. Because obviously it is something about his face. He doesn't look what they expect him to look. But yet, they, they Jesus wants them to see him. So what does he do? He spends a whole afternoon or evening going through the law and the prophets and the Psalms, showing him through the scriptures. Today, in the resurrected Jesus wants you to see him where? In the scriptures. Not naturally. Only one wanted to see him naturally. Thomas. And Th Jesus said, mm-hmm, Thomas, blessed are you. You know what, the moment the, uh, on the road to Emmaus, the disciples, when they broke bread, and they could see, they could see that it was Jesus. Their eyes were opened, and they and he vanished from his sight. Have you thought about that sentence? It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it's like your eyes are open, and you vanish from your sight. So now you have become blind. No, no. Think about it. So you 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 passed on that verse and totally missed it. I'm telling you, their eyes were opened, and they vanished from their sight. So what are they seeing? Wrong. They are seeing Jesus. So where are they seeing Jesus? In the word. See, they are seeing Jesus. But Jesus is not appearing to where? To their? Physical eyes. But God doesn't value that. He says their eyes are opened. And he vanished from their sight. The, their eyes are opened. But he vanished from their sight. So can they see Jesus? Wrong. Their eyes are opened. Can they see Jesus? Yes. Now they can see Jesus. But, they, but Jesus disappeared from their sight. So what? What can they not see? Their eye, their physical eyes cannot see Jesus. But they can see Jesus. Can you see Jesus? That's how you receive. How will you see Jesus? Through the scriptures. We just showed Jesus through the uh, uh, almond trump. When Jeremiah had the vision, Jesus, uh, the, God told him, Jeremiah, I, what do you see, Jeremiah? He said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Guess what was that? Ranchit, what is a branch of an almond tree? Anil? Menorah. In the temple, the, uh, the menorah is made of what? The almond tree. Almond tree branch. What is the lampstand? So <laughs> even Jeremiah is seeing a lampstand. The moment Jeremiah said, I see a branch of an almond tree. What did God say to Jeremiah? This is James, Jeremiah chapter 1, right? Before his ministry starts. What did Jesus, God say to Jeremiah? Have well. You have seen well. The moment you see Jesus, Stanley, you have seen well. You have seen well. You've seen good. You've seen good. Because God says, now I'm ready to perform my word. See, the moment you see Jesus... God is getting ready to do stuff in your life. 
I'm telling you, I've seen this miracle in my own life. Last couple of years, and I shared this many times, when I started seeing Jesus in the scripture like I never seen before, stuff started getting to me that I never thought would happen to me. Why? Because you're seeing Jesus, right? You are seeing Jesus, you have seen well. You see Jesus, you have seen well. And then God tells Jeremiah, what else do you see right now? Jesus, uh, Jeremiah says, I see a boiling pot facing from the north. God never tells that you have seen well. But he still says, yes, judgment will come out from the north. See, judgment boiling pot ministries <laughs> is not God's closest to his heart. What is closest to his heart? Seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus how? Full of compassion. Full of compassion. Dripping with compassion. Do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus? But he's glorified. But even in his glorified, when John saw Jesus, he had a golden girdle around his waist. Who wears a girdle? Do kings wear girdles? You know what's a girdle? When you bake cake. Apron. That's what it is. Do kings wear an apron? How is then Jesus in his glorified way wearing an apron? Because even in his glorified form, he is getting ready to serve you. Do you see Jesus as getting ready to serve you or demanding you to serve him? What he said, go and tell everybody what great things you are going to do for me? What great things that I have done for you. And many times you hear people say, oh Lord, I, I was in this land and I did this. I saved hundred souls and I, I went to this place and it was tough for me. But somehow I struggled, brother, and I prayed and fasted. So like 20 minutes of this whole message, it's like what you have done for Jesus? Or that's not what God wants. That's not ministry. Ministry is what he has done for you and what great compassion he has had for you. That's effective ministry. You got it? Not, oh, brother, I have given to so many people. I have tithed. I have given offerings. Huh? But I am a humble person. You know, I am humble. I am humble. So I am constantly serving God. You know, through many struggles, we have to serve God, brother. Many struggles. <laughs> it's like, come on, out of your abundance. I, Pastor Stephen talked about it. How you can only serve out of the abundance of the overflow. Correct? He said, out of the abundance. <laughs> How can you overflow when you're sleeping? <laughs> it's like, wake up. Wake up and receive from me so that then you can out of the overflow supply. Do you think all this, this message has come out of abundance? Sure. Because we, I see Jesus so full. I'm just like, I can't help but see. It's like, I've got notes that have not even started. There's so much. Like, I can't get over it. It's like, this is like the second message. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how long this is going to go. But this is, out of the, you see Jesus so beautiful and glorious, you cannot but receive from him. Amen? Are you ready for great miracles in your life? The Lord says, what do you see? Stanley, what do you see? What do you see, Stanley? Jerry, what do you see? 
Tarun, what do you see? Do you see Jesus? Do you see glorified? Do you see Jesus lacking some stuff? Do you see him full? Complete? No lack? In every area of your life? Oh, in this area, I think he needs some work to do. Uh, oh, in this area, the world is more smarter? You know, <laughs> let me close with this. I, I'm, I've been closing for the last half an hour. But two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> so Peter, so Jesus, in initial part of his ministry, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus calls him, says, Peter, come follow me. Jesus follows him. He goes into the uh, synagogue, starts preaching the message. He starts casting out demons. So Peter is watching this, correct? Then he gets out of the synagogue. He heals a lot of sick. G Peter is watching this. Agreed? Correct? Okay. So he goes from the synagogue. Then he goes to... He goes to another place. He goes to, a, uh, to the shore of the sea. And then he preaches the message. Correct? And he, he's, he sees casting out demons. All night long, he sees casting out demons. Uh, he, is Jesus, uh, Peter there with Jesus? It's in his hometown. Then he goes to his house. Jesus goes into Peter's house. And what does he see there? Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Correct? What does Jesus do? He rebukes the fever. And he, she gets up right away and prepares food. Is Peter seeing this? Correct. So he gets out of the place. He goes, he goes to the shore. He goes to the shore. There are so many people. So he, Peter is washing the net. He says, uh, Peter, uh, take this boat, put it towards a little bit further away so I want to preach to this crowd. So, so he does it. See, Peter has been through all this thing. He's seeing all these miracles. He's seeing Jesus of Nazareth, the great prophet who's in town. Now, because he's, he is, he's now on the boat, right? He finishes the preaching message. Jesus says, uh, Peter, See, Jesus never forgot that Peter is given him the boat to preach from. Correct? Peter doesn't make any demand from him. Peter is watching all this. I mean, this man is a great man of God. He's a great prophet. He's a great prophet who has come on this. He's thinking that he's a great man of God. So everything is okay. Jesus says, Peter, go into the deep and cast your nets. Plural. And you will catch some. <laughs> Jesus some. It's like, when Jesus says you will catch some. Oh my goodness, it'll be like overflowing, boat sinking load of fishes. Okay, so P uh, Peter answered. Jesus never asked any question. <laughs> Peter is answering, law master, watch his words. We, are, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Correct? But nevertheless, at your word, I will cast down the net. So the moment he does that, they catch so much fish, they are about to sink. So he signals to his partners on the other boat, James and John, who are partners with him in the same fishing industry. By the way, these guy, uh, Peter is not poor. This guy has a min business and he's got servants. And James and P uh, John also, sons of Zebedee, they have a fishing business and they are partners together. So they are like, like whatever you catch, I catch both, we'll split and sell, correct? So this night only he was catching. James and John, I think, I think they were, may not be catching. So he calls them, signals them, they come, and they, both the boats start fishing, uh, sinking. And Peter finally falls down at his feet and says, Lord, depart from me, 
for I am a sinful man. When his mother-in-law got sealed, he didn't fall down and say that you're a sinful man. When the demons were cast out, he didn't fall down and say you're a sinful man. When uh, he, the healing was done in the synagogue, he didn't say cast out. Why? When Jesus came in his profession and told him that I'm better than you and I can do it in one word. Oh, you are really God. You see? Because till then, he never saw Jesus as what? <laughs> Throwing all words, right? <laughs> till then, he never saw Jesus is good at his profession as a fisherman. You know, Jesus is a good fisherman. Nobody showed him. But the moment he showed it, man, you can catch so much fish that I can only catch in a year? In the same place where I don't find a single fish? I don't care what you do, I'm following you. Right? I mean, you're a, I'm a sinful man. I don't deserve this. See, because he saw Jesus exceedingly great even in the area of his strength. In the area of your strength, so-called strength, Jesus is way greater. He's Lord over your fish. If you see that, he never had to fish again in his life. He again did the same thing later on. Jesus again had to show up and remind you, Jesus, Peter, I hope you're not forgotten. I'm a good fisherman. And after his resurrection, again, he oh, yes, yes, yes. You, you can catch fish. You can catch a lot of fish. I don't have to spend all my life trying to prove how great I am. JR, you don't have to. You're good. You're good. <laughs> but Jesus is gooder. <laughs> much, much more gooder. Much more gooder. So don't need to compete with him. He's good. Learn to receive from him. Very, get, get, best way to receive from God, open the tap. Don't try to push water back into the pipe to the city tank. Open it and receive. Don't try. It's futile to send water back into the pipe, back into the pipes, back to the city water tank. It's too much effort. You might need, a, I think you can do it. I mean, if you have a powerful pump, yeah? So that's the engineer in Rajat. <laughs> Uh, pH P, P1, B1 upon T1 is equal to, I think, no, no, you cannot. You cannot supply to this Jesus. No amount of scientific calculations can get you to supply to this Jesus. Admit defeat. Fall down at his feet and say, I cannot. I will receive from you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray. And I want you to start receiving right now. In the area of your strength, says the Lord, the Lord God of all the earth. This today, today, tonight is the time when you give up on your strengths, says the Father. Because your strengths have been your greatest weakness. For you boasted in the areas that you were smart. You said you were smart in investing. You said you were smart in your career. You said you were smart in your education. You said you're smart in your networking. You said you're smart in my friends. You said in my, you are smart in finding opportunities. You said you are smart in 
flattering people. You said you were smart in talking to people. Lord said, your strength is your greatest weakness. For I say to you, for my son is the great I am. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Receive from him. Submit to him. I glorify him. Praise him. See him. And out of the abundance of him will you receive, says the Father. Now this is the Father speaking today. The Father says, I will share my son's glory with no one. For he shall not give you this righteousness for reward or for price. He will only give it to you as a gift. So receive from him, says the Father today. In the area where you lack, check, is there a strength? And if there is a strength, say, say to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, I submit to you, Lord Jesus. You are the great I am. You stand in the midst of the lampstand. And you are perfect, O oh Father. You are perfect, O oh Lord Jesus. You are perfect in your height, breadth, and width. There is nothing lacking in you. And of your fullness, Lord Jesus, I receive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to, there are people out here who are struggling with health conditions for a long time. Lord, the Lord Jesus is now standing in the midst of the lampstand saying, do you see me sick? Do you see me with any, any allergy? Do you see me with any sickness and weakness? Stop being preoccupied with foods, says the Lord, but establish your heart on grace. Thank you, Jesus. Stop being preoccupied with food and establish your heart on grace. Grace means my unmerited favor because I have borne your stripes and because of my stripes you are healed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and receive in your body, in that area of your life. I want you to be now be obedient and start moving that place or start breathing or touch that part of your body that you always have struggled and you're trying to rectify it by diet and by medicines, the Lord says, give up. Give up. And receive my son and his strength. And receive because he is perfect. And there is no lack in him. As, as he is, so are you here in this world, says the Father. Thank you, Jesus. So don't be like the forgetful hearer, looking into the perfect law of liberty and forgetting that you are perfectly whole. Don't be a forgetful hearer from this message, says the Father. Don't walk away from here, not forgetting what you just heard, that I am perfect and so are you. I am healed and so are you. I am rich, and so are you. I am glorified, and so are you. I am wise, 
and so are you. I am blessed, and so are you. So receive from the fullness of my son and walk forever, says the Lord. And Lord, and not and and not do not let any voices from man or flesh or spirits or demons ever tell you that you lack anything in Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. You'll say, Anil, I don't feel anything. I don't see anything. Stop trusting your eyes and what you see. For your eyes have been opened. And Jesus is not in your sight, in your natural sight. The Jesus that you see is in your spirit. And you can now see it. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Can you see him rich? Can you see him prosperous? Can you see him healthy? Can you see him well? Can you see that he can take care of your children? Can you see that he can take care of your children's spouses? Can you see that he can take care of your old parents? Can you see? Or do you have to take care? Or do you have to struggle? Or do you have to worry? Or do you have to uh, um, uh, awake sleepless nights? Unless the Lord built the city. Unless the Lord builds the city, they labor in vain who build it. Thank you, Jesus. So your eyes are getting opened right now, and you can see it in that area of your lack. Now see Jesus complete. And see Jesus standing in the midst of the lampstand. And what you see, you see good. You see well. Get ready for your manifestation to show up in every area of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this word. Father, we humble ourselves before this great word that you have given us of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we refuse to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We refuse to be condemned by the law and the prophets. We eat of the tree of the knowledge of the tree of life, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. For the law and the prophets, they testify about you, Lord Jesus, and we eat of you from now and forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Father, we thank you. We worship you. We give you all the glory. And I just feel that there are packages that are going to show up in your houses. Again, I'm not speaking of physical packages, though it might manifest as that. I'm talking about pa physical packages of great rewards that you have been waiting for. And you open that packages and it is exactly the need that you had. And it will show up because you saw the Lord Jesus perfect in that area. Get ready for packages to show up in your life. And you'll see it as scripture that will open up for you miraculously. And you'll say, yes, yes, Lord, yes, yes. 
It will actually appear as checks in the mail. It will appear as letters and offer letters in the mail. It will be as phone calls that will be calling you. It will be as things that changes in your bank account and you're like, this doesn't even look like my bank account. Because these are packages that are going to show up. All because you saw Jesus. Get ready, says the Father. Get ready for the Father. For you are not of Egypt, for you are of Goshen. You are not of Egypt, you are of Goshen, says the Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. We worship you, we thank you. We bless you. We glorify you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I want you to, we're going to just break bread right now. You can close that. Uh, just want to stay. After the two, two disciples on the road of Emmaus, when Jesus expounded the scripture, which they just did, it was the evening, it was late. The moment they expounded Jesus, they, Jesus went into their house and took bread and broke it and gave it to them. And the moment they ate it, they recognized Jesus. And immediately they got up that same night. See, they were tired the whole day walking. They went to the house. But the moment they ate of the bread and they saw Jesus, they recognized Jesus, they saw Jesus, their eyes were open. They had supernatural strength. They got up and went back all the way back to Jerusalem that same night. How did they get this energy? How did they get that energy? Who will answer this? Jesus. How? How did they have this energy? The bread that book is all the thing, but what happened? They saw Jesus. What did Jesus say before Jesus was in the before Jesus was re getting ready to stop over in that house? What did Jesus tell them? No, he said that he indicated to them that he, he, there was a little further to go. Do you remember that? So Jesus is saying, I still have stuff to tell you from the scriptures about whom's whom? About myself. So let's keep walking. But why did they stop? <laughs> this is so funny. They stopped because they have reached their house. But Jesus is saying what? What's that? Let's keep walking. Why? Because I want to tell you more about whom? About myself in the scripture. Because I'm starting from the law and the prophets. I've started even come to the Psalms. Right? I'm still at the law and the prophets. Let's keep going to Psalms. Can you believe in Psalms? What will Jesus say? Oh my goodness. How would you wish, as Joseph Prince ever says, he also says, if there is one tape recording that I want to hear again, is the tape recording from what Jesus shared with his two disciples expounding the scriptures concerning himself. Can you believe? I said, do you know what this, this is me. This is Jesus in me. This is this. this. You know this tree that was burning with fire that Moses saw? Who do you think that was? It was me. And you know what? Anyway, we talked about it. But I'm saying is, so Jesus indicated that he would go further. 
but they have already reached their house. So they tell him, no, Jesus, we, we don't want to go further. Let's come into the house. So he brings him into the house. So Jesus now would have done what? Stopped preaching, correct? And now he's getting ready to break bread. And he breaks bread and gives it. But his eyes are open because they've already seen Jesus by now. And when you eat bread, when you break bread, listen to this. When you break bread, the focus is you or Jesus? Yes. For the longest time, when the church broke bread, the focus was whom? Them. Examine yourself. Wrong. But you'll say, Anil, but that's what the scripture says. No, go and read it. Examine yourself if you are discerning the body of the Lord. You got it? Examine. That means, Ranjit, check. Are you checking yourself? Wrong. Don't check yourself. Check Jesus. Let me repeat. It, may, it doesn't make even good English. Check yourself that you are not checking yourself. <laughs> Did you get it? Be careful to check that you are not checking yourself. No, 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 no. Make, no, this is exactly what the Bible says. Examine yourself that you are discerning the body of Jesus Christ. So let me put it in plain, simple language. Ranjit, when you are taking communion, make sure to check yourself that you are not checking yourself, but you are checking Jesus out. Do you get it? Do you guys get it? That means your focus should not be how sinful I am. Self-examination is a curse. Self-examination is a curse. Satan wants you to self-examine. Why? Because when you self-examine, what are you going to find out? <laughs> he, he is a master of 6,000 years of human history. He knows what you need to do. Gracie, check yourself. Check yourself. Check yourself. Are you doing what Jesus wants you to do? See, it's also good. It's also good. It's so good preaching. But it is evil. Why? Because you're not checking the lamb. When a seminar comes with a lamb before the altar, what does the high priest check? You or the lamb? The fact that you are with the lamb before the high priest shows what? You are perfect? <laughs> so if you show up with the high priest saying that, <clears throat> check me out, he will check you out. He will. Check you out. That is why Jesus said, when you say the Lord's Prayer, Lord, lead us not into checking. <laughs> Testing means don't check me out. Why? I'm going to fail. Don't lead me into testings. You know, Lord, Lord, test me, test me, test me, test me. I'm good. I'm good. You know what? Who is going to show up to test you? Who is going to show up to test you? It's not Jesus. He's not God. Satan, who's been assigned this role of checking, his job is to check you out. So Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. I will not look upon a woman. <laughs> Satan, I think it's time to check somebody out. 
So he checked him out completely. He gave up when God Jesus showed up. Jesus says, you think you can handle Leviathan? Who is Leviathan? Who is Leviathan? Yeah. It's that alligator. <laughs> it's, it's not an alligator. It is Satan. He said, I have made Satan one of my top creatures. He accuses you. Nothing can withstand. He is an author of condemnation. Nobody can play a game with him. See, when God created Satan, God created Satan as a covering cherub, the crowning creator angel. His only job was to check people out. The moment God spent a whole chapter before God could shut Job's mouth by showing him Leviathan. Why? Why would God spend a whole chapter on a dinosaur? It's not a dinosaur, Stanley. It is Satan. He's saying you cannot you tame him. You cannot cajole him. He has no, his only standard is sinless perfection. Can you match it? No, don't play around with him. So the moment he, <laughs> one full chapter of Leviathan, Job's response, uh, I abhor myself. <laughs> I, was like, I thought you just, you are saying that I made a covenant with my eyes and I've, I've given to the poor. What happened? The moment Leviathan came into the picture, I abhor myself because he saw that he was not perfect. And he needs what? He needs a savior. And the moment he said, I have no man, the Lord Jesus shows up to Job and restores everything back. Everything back. Because he saw Jesus. For the first 20 chapters. How many chapters in Job? You know, you like, you spend chapter after chapter. Will this end or not? Crying and crying and, oh my goodness. It's like horrible. I mean, it stinks. The righteousness of man stinks in every page. When he's defending himself. Do you see that? It's like, what are you defending? Give up already. <laughs> give up. But not give up on your righteousness in Christ Jesus. Give up on your righteousness. Your artificial righteousness. And receive the righteousness as a gift. And he received. He received. So, when you come before communion, self-examine is not what is demanded. Christ-examine is what is demanded. So, let's have... Communion. So, guess what? So they broke bread on the road of Imavus. He ate it and he got up and he went back. The road disciples suddenly had strength to go back all the way to Jerusalem. Why? Why did they have strength suddenly? Because they saw Jesus. Do you think Jesus had strength to keep walking? Yes. yes. So they became like Jesus. The moment you see Jesus, you become like Jesus. Say, when I see Jesus, I become like Jesus. There is a, there is a lot of uh, references here. As you see, we become as he is. The more you see, we become like him. Because we are in him, correct? But you have to see him. So when they saw him, they became like him. And he, they could walk just like Jesus could walk. And they walked back all the way to Jerusalem. Amen? So now we are going to take communion. Are you all want to be excited to take communion? Because you're going to Christ examine, not say Christ examine, not self-examine. Amen? So will you check yourself to make sure that you don't check yourself? 
Will you do that? Every time you take communion, check yourself that you don't check yourself. You check the Lord Jesus Christ. You do this in remembrance of me. You do this in remembrance of me. He never talks about you in this whole picture of communion. Got it? Do this in remembrance of me. You got it? Okay, let's take communion. You just pass out, just hold on to your communion cups. Hold on to your communion cups. So when you take communion, what are you doing? You are saying judgment goes, judgment. Communion is nothing to do with how perfect you are. You are already perfect in Christ Jesus. Communion is saying all judgment is now on the broken body of Jesus Christ. That is why the body is broken. Your body is not broken. It is broken on the body. So what you are doing is divert all condemnation to the body. Say to the body. So when you break the body, you are saying the judgment that was supposed to come to me goes to the body. You are basically diverting the judgment to the body. Got it? So the, the, the bread is the judgment. Correct? Agree? What is the blood? Okay. No. The, the, yeah, the price was paid, but this is after a believer. As a believer, what? The blood is his obedience and his life. So the body takes care of the judgment. The blood takes care of the blessing. See, what is the point if you don't have judgment, but there is no blessing? You got it? So the blood is called the cup of? No, <laughs> cup of judgment. <laughs> the cup of blessing. This cup of blessing, Paul says, right? The cup is the cup of blessing. Now repeat after me, okay? You want, I want you to get it into your blood. The body and the blood is both different, guys. It's not the same. If it's the same, why would I have two parts to it? The body is broken. Say, body is broken. Judgment. Say, judgment. The judgment that was supposed to come on me is now on Jesus. Was paid on Jesus. Has been finished on Jesus. Done? That's why the body was broken. Correct? Now, when you take the blood, the cup, it's called the cup of blessing. Now say, the obedience that Jesus had and the blessing that he deserved, I receive it. I drink it. I have it. You got it? Is that a good deal? I God takes care of the judgment and also takes care of your blessing. He does it righteously. He doesn't give it to you as a favor. He gives it to you as a righteous gift. Who worked for it? For this blessing? Who, who earns it? No. <laughs> who worked for it? Who earns it? Jesus earns it. You receive it. You got it? You don't earn it. You don't earn it. You receive it. You got it? So, so for any sickness, disease, lack, judgment, why is bad things happening to me? Because you are self-examining 
and you are receiving. You got it? So you have to direct it to the body. That's why you break the body. The moment the body is broken, that means who paid the price for your condemnation? Jesus. So in that area, so he says, what area? Now I'm a believer. What's the mistakes that you do? Foolish mistakes, foolish decisions, uh, wrong choices. Who's going to pay for this? Somebody has to pay. The body. The body pays for it. So you break the body. So how often should you do it? Why should you do it often? Because often you break the promises. Often you break the laws. Often you fall short of God's glory. But God doesn't treat it as if you did it. Correct? But who will demand a payment from it? Satan. So for Satan, you need to give him a target. He only knows one target. The target is a perfect man. And that perfect man is Jesus. You give him a target every day morning, every day night, whenever you have a challenge, whenever a day of judgment happens, whenever you feel guilty, whenever. I do it like, like I do it so often in the morning when I, when I know my boss is going to be angry with me because of some stupid thing that I did or did not do. Or for something that I know he sent a nasty email uh, which I don't, I, it is not my fault, it doesn't make any sense, I don't deserve it. Guess what I do in the morning? I break bread. Because I'm telling Lord Jesus, I'm receiving this judgment, let it go to your body because you have paid the price. You got it? So I break bread in the morning. Guess what happens during the day? No, nasty emails doesn't matter. It doesn't bother at all. It just goes off. It doesn't just, the, the problem just resolves, Ranjit. I've seen this so many times. Like you have a, a tension area in your life, right? What do you do in the morning? Break bread. Because of, why does tension happen? Tension is always an expectation of judgment. judgment yeah. Correct? It's some condemnation in some area. My, my husband is angry with me. Means what? Somebody is condemning you. Correct? So what do you do? Give it a target. The broken body of Jesus is the target. Break bread. That is why Paul says, when you come together, is it not to have the Lord's Supper? I mean, they were like, the, the early church only meant to break bread. That was the purpose. So Paul is saying, when you gather as a church, is it not to break bread? So when we, how, how, how will Paul say to the church today? When you meet as a church, is it not to have praise and worship? No. When you meet as a church, is it not to break bread? Because break bread is the key for victory. Because that's where Satan attacks you, isn't it? You saw the, the early church was so smart, they know this. So they would go from church to church, like I would go to Jair's church, house for casual meat, what they would do? They would break bread. They would give an opportunity because you are breaking bread. So it's easy. I just break bread because what I get double benefit. The condemnation comes on it. I get the blessing of the obedience of Jesus Christ. How often should you need the blessing of obedience of Jesus Christ? Any? All the time I want to walk in that favor. You agree? So as often as you do it, how often do you want favor? And it'll be like, I kind of need favor once a week. No, you need favor every day. What about every evening? We want favor every evening. What about every day morning? So 
break bread? You got it? I got it, I got it. Let's get on and let's have the bread. Okay, I, but I think I want you to get the picture that these two are separate. Agree? Okay. No self-examination. Only Christ-examination. So when you take the body of Jesus Christ, check, is the body perfect? Let's hold the body. Is the body without leaven? Is this body without sin? Yes. Is the body of Jesus perfect? Was there any sin in that body? Is that body good enough to pay all the price and all the lack in health, in wealth, in relationship, in supply? Is this body capable? Yes. Can you see it? With your physical eyes? No. Can you see it in your spirit? When was it done? On the cross. Before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was broken. Let's go ahead and break the bread. And let's receive it. And repeat after me. The Lord Jesus, we receive your body, your broken body, all condemnation that was meant for me has come on you. Therefore, none of those judgments can stay with me, can remain on me, can come on me, cannot overtake me. No sickness can remain with me. Everything has to flee. I am perfect as you are perfect. As you are in heaven, so am I here on earth. Let's not take the foil and let's take the blood. This is the cup of the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant is the, not the old covenant. The old covenant is I will not forget to punish your iniquities to the third and the fourth generation. I will not forget. I will surely punish you. I will remember all your iniquity. But that's the old covenant. But the new covenant says, I will, I will, say I will, I will, God will remember my sins, no more, no more, no more, God will remember my sins, no more, therefore, I will not bring it up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, get ready to receive the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blessings. The, the Bible says the life of flesh is in the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ is the life of Jesus Christ. When you drink the blood of Jesus Christ, you're drinking the life of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, you're getting ready to drink the very life of the eternal God. That life, when it flows into your veins, will attract all the blessings of the perfect righteous man that ever walked on the earth. And that righteous man is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you drink his blood, you receive every favor that he attracted. As he walked of his fullness, we all receive grace upon grace 
unmerited favor is mine because I drink his life and his blood. Let's go and drink it. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to lift up your hands right now and just glorify the Father in heaven who has made this provision of his son. Oh my goodness. Just want to, I just want you to just stand up and just glorify the Father in your own words. In your own words, in your own spirit, in your own tongues, just glorify the Father who has made this provision for us. The provision of the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ who has provided for us this incredible supply called the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of all the earth. In him there is no lack. In him there is nothing missing. In him there is nothing that we don't have to bear. Everything he has borne, everything, every judgment he has borne, every suffering he has suffered. And we are not proud, Lord, to take any suffering. We will only remember what you have done. And therefore, we will be not be condemned with the world, Lord Jesus. Oh, receive, 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 receive. Oh, the good father is so pleased that his son is glorified in your words. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. George, why don't you just pray? Just exalt you. Exalt you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, yes, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you. Oh, yes, Father. Thank you. But Lord God, because of the fall it came upon. Lord God, it pleased you to put all of those on Jesus forever, Lord, and then to put him to death at Calvary. And as you died, Jesus, tonight we declare, we have died with you, Lord God. Yes, and as your word says, the old is gone. Yes, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood. Yes, by the power of your blood, we can now say, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. So we just exalt you, mighty Father. We just exalt you, Lord. We declare your work, Lord Jesus, complete and finished at Calvary. Yes, Therefore, we are forever perfected, Lord. Yes, so that we can boldly say today, as you are, so are we in this world. Spotless, blemishless, blameless, and always forever righteous with your righteousness therefore we declare the blessings of isaiah 60 our yes. gates shall not be shut yes, they master. shall be open that the wealth of the gentiles may pour into our lives night and day lord kings lord god will nurse our kids yes mighty lord the yes, blessings master. belong to us they have come to us and they have overtaken us mighty lord and we live in the rich blessed state of the righteous as you have established us. We see you, Lord Jesus, as your word says, and we see us as your word says we are, Lord, forever perfected in your image. And to your image, we are growing day after day. Yes, Lord, it is done. We receive it. We receive the blessings with thanksgiving, Lord. And we declare it upon each one of us here, upon our blessings, upon our families, upon our children, Lord God. Yes, upon our days to come here on earth. Yes, in Jesus' name with thanksgiving, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.